0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com
1: When the Braves got eliminated by the Phillies last year in the playoffs, it felt like that series ended and you could pinpoint. All right. This is what went wrong. This is what went wrong. This is what needs to improve. This is what needs to improve. This is what wasn't done. This is what should have happened. All of those things left us an offseason of, hey, we've got questions, and we want to see how the Braves front office, how Alex Anthopoulos, Brian Sticker, how they handle all of these things and put together a team that could get back to – all of that excitement all of that joy that we all experienced in 2021 when the Braves won the world won the world series and so we waited and i was one i'll be first i'll raise my hand i was not happy i saw some glaring inefficiencies uh in this team specifically i thought at the shortstop position i was uh, hesitant of the trade for catcher Sean Murphy when that initially went down, just because I was like, is this really the direction we should be focused on? Is you know, is this or are we going about this in the right way? Or are we improving things that didn't need to be improved and not improving areas that we needed to improve? And and what is our starting pitching going to look like? You know, it felt really confident and just what's our bullpen? All of these sorts of things. We had all of those questions. And then we watched over. 162 games, this Atlanta Braves team plays some of the best baseball that we've witnessed in this city, whether it was winning over 100 games, whether it was all of the offensive records that were were broken or whether it was Spencer Strider and his strikeouts record, like all of these different things, there was so many moments to really – uh, enjoy it all, quite frankly, and it was weird. I'll be I'll be honest with you. I talked about this multiple times, not only here on the Dopey Millennial Show, but as well as just with friends and with other people that I came in contact with who were also Braves fans. Just being like, you know, being on top is is strange. Like for the Braves to just be so dominant, uh, it feels like I, I've I've grown. Used to a team that is is good, it's competitive, but is not necessarily you know light years ahead of everyone, or or especially what we experienced with Ronald Acuna, you know, as a guy like to to be this major, I like we knew who Acuna was and, and the impact that he made to this team, but for him to have the type of season that he had, I mean, it was incredible. It was really, uh, really fun to watch. There were moments when conversations were had, and and when look, I had to be one to say, "Hey, I thought the shortstop position was one that you made a mistake by not upgrading." It turns out Orlando Arcia was a uh, an all star, and it turned out that that other players that we expected to have good seasons, like Spencer Strider, an all star, a guy who you know really showed out, uh, a guy like. You know, the the expectation of having someone like Kyle Wright, um, you know, just didn't stick around, but it felt like others stepped up. Uh, and so you had what was, um, you know, a, a really competitive team. Bryce Elder being another one of those guys that you didn't expect him to have the type of season that he did. But he just showed why Alex Anthopoulos had done such a good job at putting together a really, really talented team. And. There were talks, and I thought uh, they were unnecessary uh, at the trade deadline of, you know, you really need to do more. You really need to, uh, you know, improve pitching, and you really need to to add, you, you know, to your starters and improve your bullpen. And, well, so the bullpen was improved, but they didn't add uh, the starter that everyone thought they needed to go out and get. Um, and so people wondered how that was going to impact the postseason. And then we got to the postseason, and you know what we witnessed? Getting outscored, our the legendary offense getting outscored twenty to eight over the course of once again four games, getting eliminated in four games. And I tweeted it out after after uh, game four. The Phillies took it like I feel for Alex Anthopoulos because I know over the next three to four months, Alex is going to receive a lot of criticism for what he didn't do at the deadline or before the season to improve this team, and I just feel he is really, really misguided. So I wanted to spend some time talking about some of the people who I think are, are getting wrongfully blamed and are going to get wrongfully blamed and then some other outside elements that are going to get blamed that I just don't think uh, deserve blame. I am all about this Braves team as a whole, but more specifically, I think positionally, the position players on offense who did not show up are the ones who deserve the most blame. Now, at the same time, we understand, like it's not that these guys weren't really talented players. They showed it throughout the regular season, but when the postseason time came, they didn't show up. And so now we've gone to different reasons and and pointed to different things of, of for why that happened. And so while Alex Anthopoulos can receive some, you know, or he's going to receive blame, and I think wrongfully so for not improving pitching. I don't think that pitching was our problem in this postseason. 20-8 to was what this team was outscored. You got blinked in a game 3-0 while it was, what, three times all season that they had been held scoreless because this was an incredibly potent offense that did not show up in the postseason. You could nitpick... Things from Spencer Strider, but it was like Spencer gave you some of uh, of what should have been competitive baseball, should have been good enough to get the win that the Braves offense just didn't show up and get. And now people are also going to point towards Brian Snicker and say, Well, hey, you know, game one, you switched up the lineup. And I love, I absolutely love how Alex Anthopoulos addressed this with Dukes and Bell Yesterday. And we're going to get to some audio in just a second from, from Alex in that interview. Uh, but Alex pointed out the fact of, you know, it was the same the same guys. It wasn't like anyone was held out of the lineup. And, and there were some drastic changes, um, you know, where, where where he just totally, you know, knocked someone out of the lineup and back in. Uh, it wasn't like there were massive changes. It was just a, a like, Four guys,
0: and they were changes that made sense.
1: Honestly, like
0: yeah. at the end of the day, the bat did not hit the ball.
1: Yeah, but like. I I feel like you know when people want to go to, um, you know, this is something that oh, why did they change the lineup? Well, like, do we not remember when this team went to the World Series that the lineup saw at sometimes some pretty massive changes, depending on the competition and depending on wanting to catch. Guys off guard, or uh, play to your strengths and play to your opponent's weaknesses. And so the fact that the 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 lineup is another area that that got criticism is just misguided. Like that one game, changing the lineup did not change the the Braves' bats over the course of the series. Um, It it just the the offense didn't come together Uh, specifically. Uh, you know, in a couple of different areas. Now I want to get to some of the, the Alex Anthopoulos sound because this, this is what I appreciate for my general manager. When I hear things specifically like Alex talking about excuses.
0: I'm careful of it. I don't believe it. I think anything that looks like an excuse, I just, it's not flying with me. And that's not the, you know, I've seen people talk about stuff. I saw something that Derek, Derek Jeter said and so on, but look, we're all playing by the same rules. and, I don't want to take anything away from the Phillies. They played great.
1: Yeah, that is the other one that I wanted to touch on, and that this is going to be – honestly, this is what's going to get the the, the biggest gripe from Braves fans because they can tack on with other teams like the Dodgers who experience the same issue of the playoff structure and the fact of, oh, well, now you've got a series – uh, because a game wasn't enough, and we've added too much, and we've got to go back. First off, understand, going like like eliminating games, never going to happen. TV revenue, money to be made, there's only ever going to be more games added. Uh, just because as soon as you start getting to, okay, we're going to cut games, same with the NBA, you get into the point of, okay, well, so we're going to take less money, or we're going to give less money, to, to players and as, as long as there's more money to be made across the board everyone on every side is going to be uh, okay with more games being added but also specifically too because we dealt with a problem uh, well what was thrown out as a problem as okay you have an 162 game schedule and then you get one playoff game and do we not do we not remember October 5th 2012 when the Braves, Facing the Cardinals, experienced a horrible infield fly rule that ultimately leads to them getting eliminated after on a 162 games in which they showed they were the better team, but in a moment had an umpire make a decision that changed the course of that game. And so like, the Braves have been through this experience of one game shouldn't define your postseason. And so now you get the series. But no, now that we get the series, it does require that the top seeds get a longer stretch of time off. And I understand timing and I understand all of these different elements that come into play with with the offense. And you can point to, well, that's why the offense disappeared. But why did that not happen for Houston? Like, like there are going to be teams that figure this out. They played games like they went through. They did the games at Truist Park uh, against competition to keep that timing intact. I get it. I understand that it was not playoff caliber baseball, uh, but neither was what the Braves were playing weeks previous to that. So you could blame the one week layoff, or you could also blame the fact that the Braves had such a dominant lead in their division, that games hadn't been meaningful since, what, August? I mean, I know that's when my TV started to uh, turn off a little earlier into games if I had something else going on because it was like, all right, well, you know, this one's pretty much in hand, or it's just not as meaningful. Yeah, Those yeah. games that the that the Phillies played late against the Braves were meaningful, and it showed later on. So I just... I, Astros,
0: too. Astros also were were in a, a meaningful down-to-the-wire fight all the way through, and I, yeah. I really do think that that's, that's the major difference. Like, And we saw it last year. Philly was super hot coming in after they beat up mm-hmm. on whoever they beat up on, and, and, and we've seen the Nats do it. Yes, yeah. won a World Series, just, but just being hot at the right time. And I, and
1: I feel like baseball fans like are forgetting the fact of, like, do you remember how many times in the 2010s, that the San Francisco Giants yep. won the World Series every
0: other year, just like,
1: off being a hot team, just off being hot. Like it was like they weren't necessarily the best, but they figured it out come October. And so I just feel like a lot of excuses are getting thrown out there. I'm glad to hear from Alex Anthopoulos and him talking about like we're not going to handle excuses. I, I want to play one other sound from him coming up in the next segment as we're going to get into a reporter's take. Listen to uh, some sound from Quinn Snyder tonight uh, as uh, as he. Uh, let us in on some things that are going on with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, but, uh, but yes, also some things that are coming up for the Atlanta Braves. Alex Anthopoulos talking with Dukes and Bell yesterday. Just some really, really good uh, sound that uh, he, he he was very candid. And I appreciate his authenticity uh, in saying there are no excuses. Uh, pointing to runners in scoring position being a really big issue for the Braves in that postseason. Uh, and us all Unfortunately, having to deal with the fact that coming back next season, there's not a lot of massive changes that need to be made. All right, coming up next, like I said, we're going to get into sound from Quinn Snyder and uh, another one from from Alex Anthopoulos uh, in Reporter's Take. It is the Doping Millennial Show. I'm Caleb Johnson here with you on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Sports Radio, 929 The Game, and the Odyssey app. It is the Dopey Millennial Show. I'm Caleb Johnson here with you for uh, just a couple more segments, taking you up until 10 o'clock, and we'll hand things off to a uh, to little, little, little betting if you're into that sort of thing to get you caught up uh, with all of that. Um, now, spent last segment talking about the Braves, who deserves blame, who does not deserve blame. Uh, I just I feel like anything... Directed towards Alex Anthopoulos and and making a move. I just don't believe that pitching, and I feel like the numbers speak for themselves that pitching was not the issue, uh, in in the postseason. Quite frankly, it was the fact that like anyone questioning, well, you know, you you sent Bryce Elder, who had obviously had really up and a lot more down in the uh, second half of the season, but it's it's just one of those things like this guy showed that he he had those abilities, that he had those moments that he was an all- star. and I feel like that should you know he had shown his abilities in the past, um, and the fact that it had been a little up and down as of late. I'm just not of the opinion that one other starter uh, would have made the difference, especially at the deadline. Um, just because of who was available. Um, and You know, who were the big names that were out there at the deadline uh, and then who were the ones that you were kind of assuming the Braves would more likely be in the running with and what did they look like the rest of their postseason? Because I feel like we spent a lot of time listing names um, and then watching even the big guys, uh, you know, like, like Scherzer and Verlander and such get shut down after those teams made their big acquisitions. So it's all it's a gamble to do that you obviously didn't know Charlie Morton was going to get injured uh and, you know and that was rather untimely but i felt like for the most part that uh between Spencer uh between Max Freed, that they they kept their teams in the game and if, if you lost one because Bryce Elder had a bad start that'd be one thing but it was just the offense uh did not show up up enough outside of game 2 uh to to win the series. Now there was also one interesting thing as I played some sound last segment from Alex Anthopoulos and his conversation with Dukes and Bell yesterday, which was incredible. I think our guys, uh, Carla Mike did a really, really good job asking some, some pointed questions and got really authentic answers. I found this one part very interesting where uh, you know, Alex was, was candid about his role as a general manager and the options available as far as looking at potential uh, acquiring top pitching talent?
0: Um, we've pursued guys, we've kept it quiet, um, whether that's trade or free agency. Some of the top end guys, uh, top rotation guys, look, we haven't gotten it done, clearly. Um, and. A lot of that is the, the toughest part about this is you know like on the one hand you could throw caution to the wind and say, you know what, let's go sign X player, backload the deal, like taking a credit card and going nuts. Right. And it's fine for now. I have you know I might have to pay
1: it off for a while, but at some point those that credit card bill is gonna come due. Now I know a lot of you are going to say, well, that's an excuse. Like if you had if you had to go make the deal and pay off the credit card later to win a World Series. That's just what you do. Uh, And I feel like the simple fact is are you truly able to convince yourself that one pitcher was the difference in this series? Because I don't believe it. And I think the, the, the four games showed that one pitcher was not the difference in this series. It was the fact that the offense did not show up consistently enough over the course of four games. And so if you had gone gotten Justin Verlander. If you had gone and gotten Max Scherzer and spent the money that is going to take, or another big name, and you dealt with a situation that you're you're looking at where you know Verlander gets shut down or or where um you know Max Scherzer deals with a, a pretty long injury that honestly, you know, if, if the Rangers bats had gone cold You could end up in a scenario where you never see Scherzer in the postseason. Like, it's just one of those things that these are the the decisions that a general manager is having to weigh. And I do not blame Alex Anthopoulos one bit for looking at his team and going, I think we have enough to not risk the future of this franchise of, as he talked about later in the interview with Dukes and Bell, of not having to go through a rebuild. Alex is trying to build a team, and I think he's doing so rather successfully. Of a team that can win now, if the offense decides to show up, or uh, oh, it can can stay competitive for the future. Doesn't have to go through a complete reset period that we all had to experience. Uh, you know, some of my college years uh, at Georgia State, going over to Turner Field and watching a game, and I could sit. Uh, pretty much front row on the the third base side for, like, $8 because nobody was going to games because the team stunk. Like, we didn't have to go through that. Now, switching over, uh, because I wanted to do this uh, this reporter's take of me being a reporter here at the station and looking at, uh, you know, sound not only that we got from Alex Anthopoulos, but that I got earlier tonight from Quinn Snyder. Um, I want to look back at the Atlanta Hawks. I know I spent some time earlier in the show talking about them and the experience of Gateway Center um, and them getting another win in the preseason, although the wins don't necessarily matter, but what they do over the course to get those wins do matter. They do win 110-105 over the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, But I think we, we saw some interesting things. Now, we knew because Quinn Snyder had said as much at media day, uh, and you know, practice leading up to the preseason that uh, they're playing a lot of games. They're essentially every other day until the regular season starts. And because of that, not everyone is going to play uh, and then they're going to try some things. They're going to test out some lineups and see how things work. Now, is there a concern uh, because we have not seen DeAndre Hunter in the preseason because we now have it confirmed that he has uh, a bone bruise in his right knee. Yeah, it's a bit concerning. However, uh, we've been told by Quinn that um, he's practicing so that everything should be ready to go for the regular season. So until he is unavailable for October 25th against Charlotte, I will believe Quinn. Um, but it's also uh, given the this coaching staff the ability to try some things out because they'll rest guys like tonight. There's no DeAndre Hunter. There's no Sadiq Bey. There's no Clint Capella. Uh which then makes you think, okay, so there's only two bigs, two fives, two centers for the Hawks to play tonight. And then the Hawks said psych. Uh and rolled out a lineup that had a Kongu, and it was uh um uh i was I was just about to say Bruno Mars. Bruno Fernando. Well, I knew that sounded wrong in my head, and I was correct. But Bruno Fernando, um playing the five while Anyeko Kongwu played the four. it's It's something that the Hawks have not been able to do because you had John Collins and because uh you know you you needed Anyeka playing that five because of the roster that you had. But now things are a little bit different. Let's listen from Quin, uh, Quinn Snyder tonight. Talk about his thoughts on seeing Anyeka play the four.
0: I mean, I, you saw it tonight, which means obviously it's something that we've talked about. And, um, thought we've thought about a lot of different lineups with our group. I think, um, particularly, you know, the depth that, that we have. Um, there's a versatility in a lineup. Um, there's some things that certain combinations of guys and certain guys you want to get on the floor for. You know. A, pretty standard amount of minutes, whether it be Trey, DJ, some of those guys that, um, you know, that does impact the the larger group. Um, So there's some things about our rotation that can be unique, and there's some things that I think will be consistent.
1: Yeah, so you get Anyeka at the four, uh, which just strengthens them defensively. uh, And then because Anyeka has now grown an ability to shoot the ball, they're still able to stretch the floor. So depending on lineups that they get, uh, you know you you have this ability. What has New Orleans just year after year? Jonas Valanciunas kills the Hawks,, uh, you know, just dominant uh, because they're really not able to 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 deal with Valanciunas well as well as the other bigs uh, that that New Orleans has. And yet you saw tonight Onyeka out there with Bruno um, handle him and Zion pretty well, as well as Onyeka growing his game to be able to cover guards and to handle that responsibility. That was not something that I would say even as as close as last year was really um, perfected enough that that the hawks would be comfortable rolling out this type of lineup uh and then obviously like we said earlier then then you had the element of john collins being there uh and so you just you you didn't see that as much uh but it'll be interesting to see how the hawks go about making their rotations i feel like it won't be so traditional this is your your starting five every night or this is your your five that you're going to start with and this is your five that you're going to close with like that's just not Simply not what this Hawks team is going to look like as Quinn Snyder um, is, you know, not only a guy who is developing players, but he is a really intelligent basketball mind who uh, I think does a really good job handling matchups. Uh, another element that the the Hawks have been looking to grow in, and something that I think they really struggled with last year, uh, just simply not taking transition defense serious enough, uh, and it was a, a part the teams would expose them on. A lot of the times, and let's listen to Quinn Snyder talk about uh, his view of the Hawks' transition defense over the course of the preseason.
0: Compared to you know our first game, I thought both um, our last game against Memphis, and then tonight, you know our guys, it's been a point of emphasis, um, and for them, you know when you start to see um, them talking to each other about it, that's. You know that's the the ownership that you need um, in order to get it done because you know it's not enough for them to hear it from me.
1: That last part of of what Quinn was talking about, the fact that he's hearing from the players talk about needing to emphasize transition defense, feels like that is a different element. Something I talked about earlier. You know, you're talking about veteran leadership, but it's got to be veteran leadership. It's got to be veterans that the Hawks role players are going to listen to. You know, if it's just going to fall on deaf ears, if it's like, all right, yeah, yeah, I hear you, but then it's not going to produce out on the floor. And I feel like just the the fact that for whatever reason, Wesley Matthews and, and uh, uh, Patty Mills just seem to be a couple of guys that this Hawks team really relate to, really listen to, um, it doesn't feel like these guys are preachy, uh, but it also doesn't feel like they're they're completely past their prime so much so that they're just like an old man in the room. And no offense to Vince Carter uh, because I think the man's a legend and I think he did a lot of good for this Atlanta Hawks team. But I feel like because of the, the age difference, it was just a little bit too big uh, that – it didn't come across the same way for the talks team. We were so young at that time. And now that you've got a, a different, you know, a, a more mature team, I think is, you know, the mindset of DeJounte and with Trey, you know, being, being a dad and all of those sorts of elements. Like this is a more mature team now. And they respond to those coaching principles a lot better. And they're showing it. It, it is showing up out on the floor. And I think transition defense is, is one of those areas that, that continues to improve, but will only need to get better uh, over the course of the season. All right, when we get back, one final segment here on the Dopey Millennial Show. We're going to get into news you can lose, whether a uh, an athlete is about to receive a, a very awkward and uncomfortable beating, and how is that going to get played out in the media. Coming up next on the Dopey Millennial Show, Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey app. Video not each the game and the Odyssey app. One final uh, segment here on the Dopey Millennial Show with uh, me, Caleb Johnson. Enjoy just a you know, short couple hours show, but it's but it's, fun. it's been too long. Like I said, uh, to start things off, just because of scheduling and um, you know I get taken off for um, you know, covering Georgia football and and the Atlanta Hawks and that sort of thing. So I don't always have the ability to. Uh, have a show, and so it's nice when I get the opportunity, uh, especially when there's plenty of juicy conversation to have specifically, you know, uh, just giving my feelings and my thoughts on the Atlanta Braves uh, and their uh, unfortunate demise in the playoffs this year, as well as getting you all excited for the Atlanta Hawks season, that I I, uh, just am feeling as confident as I have uh, in quite some time, uh, after a couple of weeks ago, just kind of being a little bit down on this team and, and not really knowing, but now that I've I've heard from them and I've seen it out on the floor, um, I think this is going to be a team that is going to surprise some people. Now, we all enjoy sports uh, because it is it is a form of entertainment and um, you know it, it is our our outlet and for for some of us it is our job, but for the most part it's it's not like a really serious. Thing you know, it, it it's fun. It, it's a fun thing to to watch, to participate in. Uh, sports are fun, and sometimes we have some incredible athletes that we get to watch. Um, and one of those in the soccer world is of course Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, who is a guy who, after making some uh, some moves, you know, team to team across. The uh, APL has now decided that he wanted to go play in Saudi Arabia because he wanted he wanted to take the bag. A lot of people have offered a lot of money. You know, we we know about what's going on in the world of golf and that sort of thing. But it's been going on for a while too, uh, in in uh, the world of soccer. And Messi, of course, passed that opportunity up to come play uh, in uh, MLS. But Ronaldo decided to go play out in Saudi Arabia. And that, based on the league uh, that Al, uh, I think it's Al Nasser, Nasser, um, plays in. uh, And I'm terrible with pronunciation on that team. But it takes them to play other countries in that area that, you know, you talk about sports being fun and not being serious. Well, it's not always viewed that way. Uh, And and that part of the country, it's especially um, not just fun and free. Uh, It becomes very serious when uh, big athletes apparently go and um, commit a form of adultery, at least as the country Iran sees it. Uh, This is something that came across. My Instagram feed yesterday that I was like, this is insane. And uh, there's no way that it is going to happen, but it's, it's at least legally, uh, something to monitor that, uh, Al Nasser star Cristiano Ronaldo went to, uh, Iran as a part of a, I think the team was, was competing in some kind of tournament or something like that, uh, in the country And Ronaldo did an appearance with an artist, Fatima uh, Hamimi. And this is an artist who uh, is physically disabled and is in a wheelchair. Um, And when you see the art that she has created of Cristiano Ronaldo, it is just absolutely incredible that she has this talent while being physically uh, limited by her disabilities. Uh, And so... In this, you know, just nice little photo moment, Cristiano Ronaldo hugs Fatima, kisses her on the cheek, uh, and the video gets posted to Ronaldo's social media and as well as the team's social media and all that sort of thing. Well, come to find out, in Iran, um, it, it hugging a woman that is not your wife uh, and kissing a woman that is not your wife is a form of adultery that the country of Iran punishes by 99 lashes. Um, now we've heard some, you know, crazy punishments from other countries, and I think of uh, you remember when the Ball brothers got in trouble over in China, and like they were supposed to go through some type of physical punishment because that's just how you know you, you gotta you play by the rules of other countries. Uh, but this one, I, I mean, even for. Uh, countries that have very strict rules. And, of course, you know, we, we've heard about things in the past, especially Saudi Arabia and with them hosting uh, the World Cup and, and you know, what women were and weren't allowed to do and that sort of thing is, is obviously been a, a polarizing topic of conversation. Um, but I did not know that hugging a woman that is not your wife uh, within the country of Iran is looked at as adultery Uh, And like I said, the punishment is 99 lashes. Now, um, this is going to become a thing if Ronaldo goes back to the country. Because this was, you know, they they were essentially there for for some type of tournament, I believe, that I I saw uh, and what I was reading um, about this whole incident that went down. It was kind of one of those, you know, quick pass-throughs and thinking that Ronaldo was just having a perfectly innocent uh, photo op with this artist, who, like I said, if you uh, want to look up um, Fatima Hamimi uh, and her incredible work, while she is, uh, you know, quite clearly physically limited, limited with disabilities, um, that this feel-good moment gets essentially ruined by a country's extremely strict um, laws that it kind of sounds like Ronaldo's not going to be able to go back to the country. Um, maybe he can get this thing reduced to a fine. And while Ronaldo is perfectly capable of paying a fine, because I think he's making like $75 million a year playing for Al um it, It's one of those. He's got to be very careful though, because if he goes to the country um, and ends up, you know, Getting arrested and put in custody. Like these 99 lashes, apparently, what he uh, is lined up for, which is just absolutely insane. But that, these are the kinds of, of stories, uh, you know, things that come across uh, my social media feed that I like to bring to you guys uh, in News You Can Lose. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on in News You Can Lose before uh, we wrap up the show, and I will hand out a participation trophy. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to touch on is tonight, while uh, at Gateway Center, we were in the in the um, post game press conference or awaiting the post game press conference, and um, the locker room. I don't know if it's a full locker room or if it's kind of a makeshift thing or whatever be the case. Um, in Gateway Center, we could hear pretty clearly the Hawks locker room now I don't necessarily think they were aware um that we were in there but we heard them singing happy birthday to Wesley Matthews and so jokingly um you know Lauren Williams of the AJC she tweeted out that you know I don't know if I'm supposed to be hearing this but the Hawks are singing happy birthday in the next room over to Wesley Matthews of course uh, and, and I retweeted it and said, "Oh no! An Atlanta Media member, uh, you know, not keeping the sanctity of the locker room, because that's the other part of this week that that came with the the Braves. That was the most dumb, stupid, whatever lame word you want to attach to it. The entire storyline around Orlando Arcia uh, and who." Is is allowed to report on things? Who's allowed a credential? Um, you know, and all of this sort of stuff, and and that you know you don't need to be um, tweeting things out that um, aren't said directly to you. All of this kind of garbage. Um, I, I feel like I've seen uh, a couple of different people who have handled it really well and explained um, off the record and on the record. Uh, look that was the the whole it was heard in the locker room thing was not an excuse. And I just wanted my time to wait in on it just because it really bothered me to see uh, how many really intelligent people and people in the industry that I really respect um, go out and be like, Hey, there's no way that someone should be, um, you know, tweeting out something that was said in the locker room, not directly to a player. Like, Players, obviously, and I was kind of disappointed in Travis Darnot and and him, you know, talking about the sanctity of the locker room. This is why we don't want to talk to you guys. Um, Look, players have got to be aware of times that media is in there um, and when they're not. And, um, you know, if you say something with media present, they're going to be able to report on those things. If you choose as an individual not to do that, that was well within your right. Uh, but everyone else is perfectly within their right to report on things. I've reported on things that I've seen in the locker room because if I walk into the locker room and you've got something hanging in your locker, say a a jersey that has a number on it, or say it's a jersey that's been tied to look like a baby, you know, like there are things that you can can draw conclusions that you can draw from those sorts of things, or you see, uh, you know, I, I've seen a QC chain hanging in a locker room, and it was like, oh, okay, like, I didn't know that particular player was, was cool with quality control and, like, associated with Migos and stuff like that. Um, if you make things available and you say things within the presence of media, it doesn't matter if it is your room, that this is your locker room. If we're allowed into your space for this allotted amount of time, you have to be aware that, that things are going to be reported on. At, at the same time, no Braves fan should believe for any amount of time that Orlando Arcia saying attaboy Harper was what changed the NLDS. It had zero, I say zero impact other than it's a great marketing tool, and it's, it's going to be great for um, – oh, I'm trying to think. Who who are the, the T-shirt uh, brands that, like, spit out stuff, like, the very next – yeah, RotoWare and stuff like that. Um, yeah, Homage is another one. Like, all of those T-shirt sites, great for them, great for the Phillies because they get to have – like, everyone is always looking for something. The Phillies would have found something. It may not have been against the Braves, But they, they were just always, everyone is always constantly looking for something. Uh, And so, you know, to think that that really had any measure of impact on the series is ridiculous to believe. Um, And at the same time, you know, the, the fact that RC was out here calling the media member that's reported it a snitch was just like, that's crazy, dude. Like, it's just wild. Uh, now, before I get out of here, I want to give my participation trophy to Lexi Thompson. Uh, this is a, a woman who was competing in the Shriners Children's Open uh, this uh, this past week. She was trying to become the first woman in 78 years to make the cut on the PGA Tour. She came up just short after uh, what I think she shot two over on her first day and two under on her next day uh, and ended up even. And I think the cut was uh, two under. But uh, shout out to Lexi Thompson for uh, for even attempting that sort of thing, uh, and uh, kudos to you. You get a participation trophy even if you don't get uh, making the cut on the tour. All right, that's my time here on the Dopey Millennial Show. Uh, appreciate you all uh, listening in, and I'll uh, I'll be with you all soon. You've got uh, an interesting show coming up next.
0: Tune In is the audio platform with something for everyone.